I missed it on my second attempt. I had one more lift. I knew this is my last lift for my career. Make it or miss it. And my coach, Zygmunt Schmalchez, who's this Polish guy who's a gold medalist from 1972, was about five feet tall, was like, Zach, for once in your life, go deep under the bar. <laughs> it's like, okay, I'm going to go deep under the bar. And so, I mean, that's what I thought about. And I made the lift, and I was just... It was such a gift of God. I'm Nick Offenkamp, and you're listening to Gospel Stories, a podcast that shares the stories of City's Church members and their experience of walking with God and finding His grace in the midst of life's difficulties. In this episode, I have the great joy of talking with Zach Critch, the world's most interesting man. Zach was an Olympic weightlifter, suffered a career-threatening injury, and found God's grace in and through it all. This interview was a ton of fun to record and is filled with profound gospel truths. So, with no further ado, on to the episode. Well, dude, thanks so much for sitting down with me. Yeah, it's uh, it's good to get together, and uh, feels like a long time in the making for you and I to sit down in front of a microphone. Yeah, we're supposed to be playing music. Yeah, I, <laughs> I know. I know. <laughs> um, to my shame, how many times have we rescheduled the? Uh... It's half a dozen. No, I don't. Yeah, I don't know. It's I mean, I've, half I've a sat dozen might in be my gracious. house. You know, just <laughs> playing sad songs on my guitar. Right. Right. At least I only had. Yeah. No, <laughs> I'm glad I've given you. We have the, uh, we both have the same busy, busy lifestyle. It's I totally get it. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, you've been very gracious, and uh, um, even if it's not uh, for the purpose of making music right now, I'm just glad to know there's someone else there out there who wants to write music, and eventually, in the next decade, we'll get together. Sometime yeah, yeah. It'll be God willing. Yeah, yeah, and uh, yeah, absolutely. No, it's. Uh, it's been an encouragement. I've loved the loved the stuff that you've uh, written and sent me, and really eager and excited to to look at that with you. Cool, thanks. Yeah. So tell me a little bit um, just about who is who is Zach Critch? So you're a you're a married man, right? Yep, been married a dozen years now to Sarah Katrina Critch, who's the prettiest girl in all the land. Um, we. I'm, I turned 35. I'm basically 35 next month. Um, and we have a one-year-old son named Elliot and a three-year-old, almost three-year-old daughter named Cadence. I've been a veterinarian for almost two years now. Um, from Minnesota, um, I live in Robbinsdale, Minnesota, near my parents who live in the same house that I grew up in and... My brother and his wife and six kids live close to us. Uh, yeah, my wife is a full-time, like kind of a head coach at a CrossFit gym. If you're familiar with that kind of yeah. theory of working out, it's great. I work out at a CrossFit gym too. She's in charge of that, and yeah, that's kind of yeah. We're at members of City City's Church. Love City's Church. It's great. We lead a community group. City's church called on the west side, yeah. So, yeah, yeah, we're super grateful to to have you as uh, as part of cities and uh, and super grateful for your community group leadership as well. Uh, I always hear uh, great things from the members of your group that um, they just love love coming over to your guys' place, love gathering. Sounds like there's a lot of sweet things that God is doing through through those relationships and connections. I hope, hope so. It's, it's I love doing it. It's probably more. I probably worry about it more than I worry about being a veterinarian. <laughs> and, <laughs> I don't know if that's a good thing or not, but uh, yeah, it's man. It's been it's caused me to grow tremendously, which has been great. Yeah, yeah. Um, so tell me a bit about uh, growing up and just family dynamics. You grew up in in Minnesota in the Twin City Metro. <clears throat> yep, I was born in Montana, but we moved to Minnesota when I was. To, which I, I just think is cool being born in Montana, even though I remember nothing yeah. and has no effect on my life. I can say that. And I'm the same. I've got the, the Texas birth certificate. Yeah. I, I was born uh, right outside of Dallas and only lived there two and a half years. But it like it can really play to my advantage from time to time to be oh, like, yeah. I'm a Texan. Yeah. That's right. Of course, if there's a 
real Texan around, <laughs> they chew me out pretty quickly. Yeah. But and there's other other areas where that would not be to your advantage, so that's too bad. Well, anyway, yeah, um, yeah. So I, I grew up in Minnesota, Robbinsville, Minnesota. Lived in the same house my whole life. Um, gosh, you know, I'll I'll kind of focus on my maybe my faith, yeah, stuff growing up. But I do remember growing up in an evangelical free church that um, I was bored to tears in. I remember mm-hmm. going to like the Bible studies, not or the, I remember going to the children's church before service and I had to like wear a tie or I had to wear at least a nice shirt. And so I was the uncool kid. There's like five kids here. And I'm like, I felt like the uncool kid. And I remember sometimes they like stole my Bible and hit Did it. Did none of the other kids have to dress no, up? No, they could wear cool clothes. <laughs> <laughs> and when you're 10 or whatever it was, it's like, Oh man. And they all knew yeah. each other and I didn't know them. And I distinctly remember them one time hiding my Bible and it was just like this miserable thing. Um, except one time we went and got donuts at Dunkin' Donuts. That was, that helped me want to go to church. So it's a good thing to do <laughs> yeah. that. Um, and I just, I thought church was boring. I thought it was, I didn't have any friends there. Um, and it was hard. And But when I was about 16, we switched churches to a church um, that was just down the street from our house called Church of the Open Door. There's a pastor named Dave Johnson who we started going and they had three services, which meant I could go at a different time than my parents. So I would go at a different time than my parents because I was a teenager and didn't want to be seen with them. Hmm. But his preaching, um, I remember them going through Revelation he was preaching on Revelation. I don't know what he was talking about other than Jesus. And I would, hmm. I was struck with the reality of who Jesus was in a way it never was before. Yeah. We were meeting in an old high school, the Robinsville High School, and had these wooden bleachers that would pull out from the walls. We'd walk into the gymnasium, and, and I would go to the very top and the very back. And so I'd be sitting in the corner, and everybody's in front of me. And I'm in as far as way as you can be from the preaching as possible. And people would stand up and worship, and I would sit, I would stay sitting down, and then preaching would happen. And I would, I would just sit there looking at people. I never sang, but I'd read the words. And I was like in tears just the whole time. I mean, hmm. just with like reading a simple word like, you know, like Jesus loves me or something, whatever it is on the, on, on the screen. And, and just God was speaking to me there, but, um, I was very recluse. I'm sure if someone looked at me, they're like, this person does not want to be at church. Hmm. And I, But I was loving it. I mean, I was being drawn into to God. I also read the book, Mere Christianity, and The Great Divorce during that those times. Yeah. Um, so that was about when I was 16 years old. And I, that's when I really feel like I became a Christian. Yeah. Uh, before that... I mean, I started listening to just whatever was on Christian radio with like music, and it's like I don't like this style of music at all. But what they're saying is just so powerful to me. Resonates. Yeah, sure. sure. I mean, I was into like punk and heavy metal before that, and then I'm listening to you know acoustic guitar stuff. Mercy and, Me and uh, whatever was on it. I didn't right, even know who right. the people were. I didn't buy a single <laughs> CD. I would just turn on the radio. Yeah. yeah. Um, and at the same time, none of my friends are Christians. Mm. Never went. I never started going to like. Uh, youth group or anything like that yeah but that's where i mean jesus became real to me and I mean, he grabbed a hold of me and i uh i was about my junior year of high school yeah same wow. exact time i started doing olympic weightlifting okay which okay so yeah, yeah tell me a bit about i mean that was uh olympic weightlifting a huge deal for you for a major portion of your life mm-hmm. and still like you're a uh, very fit dude and as you mentioned like doing uh, both you and your wife like being so heavily involved yeah. in, in CrossFit and there's uh, guys at cities that I um, have talked to about like their workout routines and it's like 9 out of 10 guys that I talk to are like oh yeah Zach Critch is my he's my guru he's he's the guy that, that tells me about what kind of workout routine I need to be doing people um, need to do back squats Just, <laughs> if you're listening and you're, you're doing some sort of isolated machine work, come talk to me. We'll do some free weight, full body, functional movements. Anyway, yes, but... <laughs> yeah, yeah, so how, so did you, how did you get into 
like Olympic weightlifting seems like a pretty niche yeah, kind of thing. Totally. And uh, that's why I kind of got to be good at it because not many people are <laughs> sure. Um, well, growing up, I never was good at sports. I was picked. I wasn't picked last, but oh, thank God I wasn't picked last at kickball. Okay, that kind of yeah. thing. Um, and I grew up doing soccer, but never really invested myself intensely in any sport. And when you're short, you're not. You can't be that good when you're five seven at basketball or baseball or football. Or... Anyway, I started doing Olympic weightlifting as a class. There was a class you could take at my high school, and I immediately fell in love with the sport. It's it's a sport that there's a barbell on the ground, and you lift it over your head. And there's two different ways you can do the movement. You can lift it over your head in one fluid, quick motion. It's called a snatch. Or you can lift it to your shoulders first and then over your head. It's called a clean and jerk. Those are the two weightlifting movements that are in the Olympics. Those are the only weightlifting movements that are in the Olympics. They're... The technique in how to do that is more important than strength. Hmm. Um, so you can have a bodybuilder, jacked, ripped guy go up to a barbell. He's not going to be able to lift nearly as much as a small 100-pound girl who's explosive and fast and flexible and has great technique. So hmm. that's one of the fun things about the sport. Um, I enjoyed it because I was I had a natural ability to do it. And I enjoyed it because there was like a camaraderie with the team, yet everything kind of depended on me. Mm. Unlike in other sports where people were being lazy, I'm like, why aren't you running as fast as you can? And that'd be frustrating because I was highly competitive. Yeah. Um, but I, I started when I was a junior in high school. I quit all my other sports and I'm going to do this full time. My best friend at the time was also doing it full time. And he was the guy that was like going to go to the Olympics and he had these goals in high school to do it and I was just kind of riding in his coattails but we started lifting you know multiple times a day six days a week and uh, so that was in high school um, I did go, get to go out to the Olympic Training Center in Colorado Springs for two weeks and see a bunch of little girls lifting more weight than me kind of <laughs> thing and realized along with world champions and all these people or yeah. amazing weightlifters out there yeah. um, and realizing this is where I need to be if I want to be any good at this. And um, Was that something like that you got invited? To yeah, I kind of qualified to... for okay. as a high school student and it was great and I realized my technique's horrible. I got to work on this and all this stuff. Um, so a year after graduate, for a year after graduating high school, I just trained by myself in a basement with the goal to go out there and I was invited to come out to the Olympic Training Center for about a month and my goal was never to come it was to be out there for my entire career mm -hmm. ended up staying out there for about 10 years wow um, and I was like I'm and they knew that my intention was like I need to be here this I want to go to the Olympics um, and so in 2003 I was that's when I went out there and it's the Olympic Training Center. The goal is to make the Olympic team and right. to make, win gold medals at the Olympics. Right. That's why you're out there. And your life revolves around that. So is that like a full-time job for you? Or were you having yeah. to work in addition to uh, lifting? Or did you? How did that work, yeah. the economy it's, it's of it? It's set up. The Olympic training, training Center is set up so you don't have to do anything else but train. You can live there, eat there, sleep there. Um, they'll pay for I went to school part time and but I would train twice a day there's a recovery center there's sports physical therapy all these things you know sports psychology it's a whole complex mm -hmm. full of multiple sports with everybody focused on one thing training you mm. could get a job if you wanted to you could go to school if you wanted to but you don't have to yeah wow what an amazing deal yeah, it was, and, okay. um, I mean I, so we'll we'll pick up on that when when did you meet Sarah? Sarah yeah, yeah. So I, I moved out to Colorado in two thousand three. Sarah actually moved out in two thousand four to the Olympic Training Center to do an internship for a master's degree in sports physiology, and she was placed with the weightlifters hmm. to work with them. Um, and she was also put right next door to me in the dorms. Hmm. I was kind of on the chopping block at the time. Like you might get kicked out because you're just kind of good. You're not that good. <laughs> And she was put, so I was put with interns. Um, I was playing guitar in my dorm with the door open, and I was playing, uh, I was playing a song her dad used to play on the guitar. Okay. And she's like, my dad plays that. And then she got on the, had a piano, she started playing it. 
she actually played Thy Word by Amy Grant. I'm like, I think that's a Christian song. And so we started talking. And then she also, with the weightlifters, was um, she tested our hydration, which meant she tested our urine. Yeah. So it was very romantic. And then she also tested <laughs> she tested our body fat. So we'd stand in front of her in her boxers and she'd pinch our body fat with calipers and see how fat we are once a week. So that's that was how we, how we met. So between your music... Your uh, Hydration. impeccable urine <laughs> yeah. and uh, and uh, I imagine very low body fat yeah. as uh, the first first three steps in winning her. Yep, and I've hung on to one of those. My I'm still very hydrated. <laughs> <So>. <laughs> That's awesome, man. Yeah. Okay, so, so you guys started dating out there. Yep. Okay. I got we got married in 2005. Once we got married, then I moved off campus. Um, okay. So then I was a athlete who chose to live off campus. Mm-hmm. And Sarah worked the entire time providing for us while I went to school part-time and worked very part-time. So yeah. you make some money in weightlifting, but it's very hit or miss and it's not enough to live off of. Yeah. So, yeah. Thank God for Sarah. She was great in that. Yeah, yeah man. Yeah. Praise God for uh, for our wives. and Allowing me to follow my dreams while she... Yeah. You know. Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. I mean, yeah. It's experienced that uh, in our my own marriage uh, especially when we first moved out to Minnesota and when I was a full-time student and uh, my wife was working some long and hard and crazy yeah. hours in order to support me and looking back it's like and why why would she have I guess we're supposed to pay off just to give me 10 years or something crazy right. you know it's like right yeah 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 it's uh our wives are unbelievable gifts of grace and a lot it seems like they're well, at least some of both our wives were maybe more driven than us earlier on and so they were more accomplished and able to do things yeah at least sarah was i mean she was getting her master's degree when i was a sophomore yeah i mean i was doing weightlifting but it's just yeah i'm so thankful for her so yeah no i mean it pretty much everything it's like that whole song of like anything you can do i can do better <laughs> is pretty much true of hilly in relationship <laughs> to me it's like smarter better musicians uh, it, I, it's taken me a long time to even try and catch up oh, wow. <laughs> and i'm glad that she That's she's cool. been she's realized that and <laughs> been uh, been patient with me awesome. um but um so so much of this uh this particular th- this podcast is um sharing the stories of the ways that god has shown up in the midst of difficulties in the midst of trials which mm-hmm. everyone faces everyone faces whether you call them trials or setbacks or disappointment loss um, and uh, and yet as as believers as uh, Christians who know um, the sovereign God of the universe and know that he is good and that he is faithful I think we have a, a unique perspective and hope mm-hmm. um, to offer not that it makes those things any less painful in the in the moment um and so i know you've uh you experience some huge loss and and disappointment uh especially throughout your um your career with olympic weightlifting i'd love for you to to share that story with us um just how uh yeah what what was the the, the trial, the season, however you want to describe um, that season of life. And then uh, whether sprinkled in or at the end, um, how did Jesus become more real to you through uh, the, <clears throat> the loss? Well, when I think back in my career, there's really two, two main areas of difficulty, areas of grief. Weightlifting is interesting because any sport, especially individualistic sports, you're, there's a fine line between just really hard work and intense self-obsession. Mm. I have to have healthy ambition and work really hard, but I don't want to be self-obsessed. And that's a, a battle that I felt throughout my whole career. If I can kind of just maybe paint a picture of my career, yeah, maybe please. that would help. Yeah, absolutely. Um so I spent 10 years working towards the goal of making the Olympics. Early on, Sarah and I were dating. She wrote me a letter as I was going to the national championships and 
in the letter, she quoted Philippians one twenty seven. She said, only let your manner of life be worthy of the gospel of Christ. Now, I was, my love for Jesus was growing. I was wanting to serve him and all I did. I did not have a lot of Bible knowledge. Didn't have a lot of memory verses or anything like that. And so this was really, that verse was like really fresh to me, really new. And, hmm. and just kind of, oh let my manner of life be worthy of the gospel of Christ. It, it was weird. It gave me this like strength at this competition. Um, and I, I went to this competition I was lifting and I was on the platform thinking, only let your manner of life be worthy of the gospel of Christ as I was lifting. It was this weird, hmm. weird phenomenon. I don't know. God allowed me then to make every single lift at that competition. Um, and, for those of us like myself yeah. who know nothing about like how competitions usually go, like is that fairly unusual? Okay, I did thing? that one time in my life. It was that competition. Wow. Yeah. Okay. Okay. Um, That's helpful. I, I will say this too: weightlifting competitions are you have three attempts in the snatch, three attempts in the clean and jerk, and that's it. Make or miss. That's all you ever get. So there's a lot of pressure on a lift like the snatch, which takes less than a second to lift the barbell from the ground to over your head. Um, just an intense amount of pressure and no room for error because if you miss one of the lifts uh you're kind of you've kind of shot yourself in the foot for that whole competition hmm. well so i i uh that's kind of how my career was was going i guess i i felt god's like man i want to i want to lift for you i want my life to glorify you in all that i do hmm. yes olympics are my goal that's not really the goal so I was working, training hard. We trained nine times a week, um, battling injuries here and there all the time. Um, but the more my faith grew, the more I realized, God, like, I want to glorify you in this. I don't want to just make this about me. I don't want healthy ambition to turn into self-obsession and just a, a sport to feed my ego. Mm-hmm. But and as lifting went on, I got better and better and I went from being on the chopping block to being kicked out constantly from the training center and for a couple of years to then eventually 2008 uh, four or five six years later I'm now like the best guy at the Olympic training center and I'm I just got back from Greece winning the world university championships in about in 2009 so coming off of a awesome victory I was like yeah we're let's do this I'm good lifting's going really well and I was doing a, a lift called the clean, which is lifting from the ground to your shoulders. And I was strapped in. So I had the bar tied into my hands for the purpose of doing one lift, standing up and then lowering the bar back down, but not all the way to the ground. So the, the weight could stay in my hands. I was doing a, three reps of that with 352 pounds. And on my third rep, I lifted the weight and I'm, I'm catching this barbell on my shoulders in a full deep squat. You can't get any lower than this. And I caught it kind of back with the weight back on my heels and I started falling backwards. And it was one of those times in your life where the where time just kind of slows down and it's amazing the amount of thoughts you can think in a split second. Because mm-hmm. my first thought was, uh-oh, I'm falling backwards. This barbell is going to knock all my teeth out. And I don't want this to knock my teeth out. So my elbows at the time were pointed forward. I started to bring them back to kind of brace myself. And as I brought them backwards, my elbows hit the ground with the weight in my hands. And the barbell snapped both my wrists back. Um, mm-hmm. There's a YouTube video if you want to see how it, hmm. how it happens. But 352 pounds came crashing down on my wrists and broke and dislocated both my wrists. At the time, I actually yelled, ouch. I was like, ouch, and the bar rolled off. And then and then I started thinking, this is kind of where, I guess I, it's really some of God's faithfulness here. I yelled, ouch, versus swearing. I, I don't know how that happened. That <laughs> yeah, is God's, right. God's right, grace. Right, right. Um, then the bar rolled off me, and I thought, okay, I can't just shake this off. Like, this is serious. And then all these, my coach, my teammates all flooded around me. The next thought that came into my mind was, okay, God, how do you want me to act in this situation? Hmm. 
which is crazy because like right. that if you knew what goes in my thoughts it's not that kind of thing that's not what's naturally in me so it was just a, a gift of god for that to be the case um my god how, how am i gonna act in this situation I mean, my my coach immediately got furious not at me but he was just mad at the situation um everybody's kind of freaking out i knew something was wrong we started walking down to get x-rays at the sports medicine place and i was like cracking jokes Hmm. I was kind of in shock because about 20 minutes later is when the pain really set okay, in. Okay, so the excruciating pain like hadn't hit. It hadn't hit yet, no. Okay. Um, but right away, immediately during the injury, God was present. Right. He, was a, he was with me, guarding my thoughts, guarding my actions. Hmm. Um, that he, that night they put me under anesthesia and they relocated him, put my wrists, wrists back into place. Ten days later, they did surgery to fix the completely torn ligaments and all this stuff. So now I'm in two full arm casts and I can't brush my teeth. I can't drive a car. I can't go to the bathroom by myself. I can't feed myself. can't do anything for myself. Praise God. I had a wife who started doing stuff for me that you think you would do when you're 90, not when you're 26 or whatever it is. Mm. The surgeon the surgeons told my wife and my coach that I would never lift 100 pounds over my head again. He said, this is what we call a devastating injury. His career's over. He's never going to lift 100 pounds overhead again. I mean, to be competitive, I was lifting, lifting over 400 pounds. So 100 pounds, not getting me anywhere. Mm-hmm. Um, but God, in his kindness, gave me just a real motivation. Like, I'm going to make a comeback from this. I'm going to do everything I can. Um I'm gonna. I had. I had peace about it, and I just started the long process of recovery. However, I would say that at about almost my two months in, I did realize that I was kind of holding something in me. Um, I, I distinctly remember going into my bedroom one day and thinking, "God, I have not grieved over this. I haven't brought this to you in grief." And you're not afraid of my grief. It was like I had a bottle that kind of kept this cork on, and I popped the cork off, and grief just exploded out. And hmm. I was able to lay before God my fears, like God, I'm here to make the Olympic team, and I can't even use my hands now. And what if I can never lift a barbell again? I have no other avenue of. I mean, I'm nowhere in school. I have nothing else going on. Um, I'm, I'm so young. What if I can't even use my hands again? And just all these fears. Is this how you want me to end my career? I mean, I want to glorify you. If this isn't going to glorify you, how is this going to glorify you? A guy who can't use his hands and his career is done because he hurt himself. Um, it just made no sense to me. So pouring that out in front of him. But I do remember, thankfully, always going back to, but you're my father and you're good. I'm going to trust you in this. And... That was that was very important for me to do. I think if I had not done that, that would have been uh, unhealthy. It just would have been wrong for me to, to not do that, to not be open with God. He can because he can take that. Yeah. So um, started. Let's see. I started the long comeback of you know just rehab, trying to squeeze little tiny things little squishy balls and trying to get some range of motion in my wrists and trying to, you know, hold a fork, like that kind of stuff. Eventually, I could feed myself. I could drive again. Did the slow, slow process of lifting five pounds overhead and then a couple days later going to 10 pounds. Um, started putting the barbell overhead again, 50 pounds, 60 pounds. At one point, I got a ton of wrist pain in one of my wrists and went in for a second surgery and they actually cut some nerves in my wrist so I would stop feeling the pain because <laughs> um, they, they're not important nerves, apparently. So, <laughs> uh, At least if your goal is to lift massive yeah. amounts of weight over the top of your head. Yeah, exactly. I have some slight numbness in the part of my hand. But, yeah. Um, and about a year and a half later, I was back to the weight I was at before. Um, and I mean, God was, he was so 
kind to me in this process. I was able to fully come back. I was able to win the national championships, which I'd never done before. I was able to make the world championship team, which I'd never done before. Um, and I was able to make a, a full comeback in, in this in the sport, which he did not need to do and, and still be good. But he let me do this. Yeah. Um, the, the things that stand out to me in my, my lifting career is, is this recovery from injury. How God like showed me resurrection and redemption. Got a taste of how he can do good things out of something horrible. Mm. But then how my career ends and not making the Olympic team was actually even harder for me. Yeah. Um, if that, because it's not how I would have written the story. Yeah. It's not the the Hollywood finish. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. So, because, I mean, the, the big things I've learned is just that what God wants for me is faithfulness. Results are on him. Yeah. Which is so freeing. Like, I just need to be faithful. What a cool God that all I have, I can be faithful in any situation. He's in charge of the results. So, mm-hmm. Because, so basically, I start making this, making a comeback. My lifting's going really well. I mean, I'm stronger than I've ever been, and I'm hitting personal records. And um, 2012 comes along. Olympics are in London. National championships are occurring. And if I, it's either make the Olympic team here or you're not going. And I started. I was lifting, and I the snatch portion where you, you do the one lift from the ground overhead. You get three attempts, miss, miss, miss. Mm-hmm. I missed them all. I bombed out. That's what the term is. When you miss all of one lift, it's called a bomb out. You're basically not gonna. You're not gonna medal. You're mm-hmm. out of the competition. Um, I did that maybe one other time in my career. Mm-hmm. But that was my last competition in my life, and I've been training nonstop for ten years. And that was more devastating to me probably than my injury because this is like the stamp. I am done after this. I can't, my wrist can't take anymore after this. My career is over. And um, to give your life to something for a decade and then be like, and you're going out as a loser. Like you can't, you're bombing out in your last competition. Um, It was a nightmare. However, I, I did go out for my clean and jerks to second part. And on my very last attempt, I actually hit an all-time personal record, which mattered to nobody but me. I mean, it didn't matter for Olympic team, but it, for me, it was a huge thing. It was a super grace of God for me to, to end on that. Um, but what's so hard is like, if I were God and I have this person who's a weightlifter who wants to glorify me with his career... Well, what I'm going to do is, okay, I'll hurt him. I mean, yeah, he'll have an injury that everybody says he can't come back from. But he makes a comeback. And not, not only does he make a comeback, but he goes to the Olympics. And he wins a gold medal, which no American's done in like 30 years because every other country's taking drugs. But he's not taking drugs. And it's like, all these like, look how this is going to glorify God. That's how I would do this story. That's how, if I was God writing the story, that's what gave him the glory, right? And, and that's not how he wrote the story. Mm-hmm. But when I was going through the injury, I was able to, like I said, doc- I was able to document the whole process. And I had so much fruit. So many people come to me afterwards in YouTube comments and saying how this they've hurt themselves and this is giving them strength. And I was able to have these long conversations with people. I still get messages online and have conversations with people who hurt themselves. And I'm able to speak gospel truth to them, trying to show them to find their identity in God, not in this, this sport. And I, I've had a taste of how God can take something horrible that seems like your life is over and actually bring redemption out of it. And most things in this world, you don't get to see that. It's like you don't get to see the goodness come until the next life. God doesn't show you us how the suffering actually was bearing fruit until later on. But he showed me in this really horrible, hard thing, good things to the point now where I've said this many times, if I could choose, I would actually go back and hurt myself again hmm. because of the good things that have come from it. And if I can say that now on this side of eternity, 
am I going to trust God for these other for other horrible things or other really hard things? So when my my career ends and I have one goal, you're at the Olympic Training Center, you're going to make the Olympics, and I fail at that. Um, that was never my ultimate goal anyway. My ultimate goal was to be faithful to God in in everything I was doing, and uh, I guess I saw His faithfulness through the suffering there, which allowed me to remember. I could remember that as I was going through other other parts of suffering of a failed career and all these things. To to real failure is if I were to not be faithful to God in this situation, mm-hmm. not making a lift or not. He He doesn't need. Olympic medal medals to glorify him. He's got enough glory mm-hmm. on his own without some little guy giving a, a little gold trinket. And who's really doing it for his own? Hey, everybody, look at me! How I got this fame and stuff like that. So it's, I don't know. yeah, yeah, yeah. And maybe even to just put a point uh, on it, like how. How would you say then, like you you mentioned uh, all the good things that mm-hmm. have come as a result, and that's a remarkable thing to say that you would you would go back if you if you could do it all again and erase the injury, never have picked yeah. up the um, that three hundred some pound barbell that sent you backwards, uh, that you would do it again uh, because of all the good things that have come to you. Like what what are those good things? Or another way of asking the question is, uh, how did Jesus become more real to you? How did his gospel become more precious to you? How did you, to use the language that you used of a a sort of a death and a resurrection, how did you find new or more abundant life Mm -hmm. post-injury? It's so hard to not find your identity in your sport when you're doing something that competitive. Thank God he allowed me to he confronted me with that my whole career. So I was constantly trying to battle finding my identity as a weightlifter. Everywhere I'd go, what do you do? Oh, I'm a weightlifter. Oh, you make Olympics. Oh, this guy's... You know, it's like, it's a lot of praise even if you haven't done it yet. You have this dream of doing this. Um, So having it, I guess having it taken away and having it fail kind of showed me where my identity really was. Um... You know, there's that, that other verse in Philippians that I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me, which you see a lot in sports. I bet, especially in weightlifting. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> People have it written on their shoes. They have it so they can look at it all the time. I think the like classic, classic uh, Christian bookstore poster is like a weightlifter, you know, like <laughs> lifting with I the... can do all things. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I know. It's like, it's like the story I told earlier, like... That's kind of why I had this verse giving me motivation. Yes, God, you're letting me lift all the lifts, make them all, you know, that kind of thing. Yeah. And Paul's talking about suffering. He's saying, I've learned in whatever situation how to be content. Mm. Like, I know how to be brought low. I know how to abound. I've learned the secret of plenty and hunger. I can do all things through him who gives me strength. It's like, I can suffer. I can get my hands broken and dislocated I can miss all the lifts mm-hmm. through Christ who strengthens me I can I can do all those things and mm-hmm. going through all those things has just forced me to either to make a choice of either God I'm going to doubt you and say you, because you took this from me because I didn't get what I wanted therefore you're not faithful or I'm going to run to you and say it was never this anyways mm-hmm. this was never my hope but this hurts and I really need you. And when I've done that, he gives me strength. And I've just seen him be faithful over and over again. When I tell people about my recovery, I usually just say, God is so kind. It's just so graceful, kind of him to let me lift again. He didn't have to. It's like, I love this sport. This sport, uh, just so passionate about it. It, it wrapped itself like around my soul. It became very important to me and so the moment my career ended and it's over this part that has been so close to me for a decade that I've put so much energy into it's now gone when it fell away and and broke off it wasn't 
like I was losing my identity. Mm-hmm. But all I had really to hold on to was like was Jesus. That's all it really felt like. And I don't know how people get out of these things, these all-consuming endeavors, and then lose them without God. I just don't know how they do it. I I think the biggest lesson I've, I've learned through all this is that all He wants from me is to be faithful, which has been really helpful as I've gone on to other things that have been really hard, like not being able to have kids for over five years. And during that time, like, God, why can't we have kids? Well, I know what God wants me to do in this situation. He just wants me to be faithful. He's in charge of the results. Maybe he'll be kind and gracious, like my injury, and let me to allow me to come back and do what I love again. Maybe he won't. Maybe he'll be like not making the Olympics and bombing out my last competition in either way he's good and i've seen how he can use the really hard things and, and bring good things from it but um i honestly feel like some parts of having young kids and being married and just and and going to like full-time veterinary school that was harder than almost a lot of things i did with weightlifting I mean, and it's less glorious to the world but it was harder to be faithful in some of those things. So yeah. it's it's really been great tra- training ground for me. Just to remember, mm-hmm. yes, I'm so I'm so thankful that he gave me a taste of him redeeming something horrible. That now, when something bad happens again, I need to re- I just can look back. I, I need to remember, and he doesn't give everybody that experience. So. Right. Yeah, that's such a. Uh, a right accurate and also just a beautiful uh, interpretation of that uh, that verse in uh, in Philippians 3 that so often gets taken out of its out of its context we so often think of that um, I can do all things through Christ mm-hmm. who strengthens me in the terms of accomplishment and therefore um, you know it's like you know I can I can get that job or I can lift that weight or I can, you know, achieve that goal. And then when we don't achieve that goal, then, you know, if that's our understanding of, well, I can do all things through, mm-hmm. through Christ. And it's like, so did, did Christ fail me? Yeah. And um, seeing it as I think you're right, how Paul is using it is like, God is going to give me the strength to be faithful to him in every single circumstance like that his grace is always going to be sufficient for me mm-hmm. um, no matter what in riches as paul's talking about or in extreme poverty in extreme success in worldly terms or in total failure um, that whatever our lot is that god is going to be uh, faithful to give the strength like to, to be present so that we can can endure mm-hmm. um, those those different seasons of life, and uh, that's just that's really helpful to hear you talk about how that's been a, a reality for you, and um, so refreshing too in a in a culture that is so performance driven. As a Christian, to be able to say, "No, my my job is is faithfulness." Mm-hmm. And that the results really are up to God, and that He's not. I mean, I think one of the classic examples of this is just like looking at the the prophets, right? Like mm-hmm. Jeremiah was a faithful prophet, and reading through the entire book of Jeremiah, it's like how many people repent in yeah. Jeremiah? Like how many people listen to him? It's like you could count them on one hand. Yeah. And then you look at Jonah. Yeah. By the numbers, like that guy is the most successful prophet <laughs> in scripture. Right. You know, like the he barely even tried. Yeah, the entire city of Nineveh <laughs> repents when he comes yeah. to them, and yet, like, that's not the guy <laughs> that you want to emulate. Model. Yeah, exactly. yeah. yeah. And so that whole uh, deal of like, um, I'll be faithful. Trust that God is good. Yeah. Who's the pro- is it Isaiah? So one woman says like that. Here I am. Send me, Lord. Yeah, Isaiah. Because then he, he goes. Yeah, Isaiah. 
whoever he sent to, they don't repent. Like, here I am, send me to a people right. who aren't going to repent. It's like, to failure, basically. Yeah. But it's not failure because he was faithful. Right. And, yeah, so that's that's the main lesson I've been, that I was really, I think, taught through my lifting. It's really hard to also not compare yourself to other people who are then successful in those things. But it was because, I mean, I just missed all my lifts in a competition, but I've seen this other guy who's making all the lifts and now he's going to the Olympics, right? And mm-hmm. you're like, I know I can lift more than that guy. <laughs> well, yeah, or like I could glorify your name more, right, God? Right. Jesus. Sure. And then sure. I, re- I remember what he says to, I guess, Peter, what our Lord says to Peter. And he says to, I think John's following him at the, in the end. And he says, like, what is that to you? You follow me. Yeah. Like, don't worry about my other servants. Don't worry about the other things that are happening. You be faithful to me. That's all you have to do. Mm-hmm. Which is, it's just so freeing to be like, I don't have to have the results figured out. I don't have to know what other, have other people's jobs figured out. I just need to be faithful and try as hard as, and try as hard as I can. And God, he's sovereign. He's going to take care of it. Yeah. So what you've said, like, is uh, you know, the the extreme focus that you had at the Olympic Training Center, um, like the singular focus of making it to the mm-hmm. to the Olympics, like that was the the whole world you were living in. Now, most people that are listening, uh, not ever going to spend any time at an Olympic Training Center, but still, like, live in a world. Where I will say, I was an Olympic hopeful. Everybody can be an Olympic hopeful, so you can always like, oh, the Olympic hopeful. I never made the Olympics, but you can all be Olympic hopeful yeah. like me, and then not that's make right. Olympic teams. So that's, that's right. There you go. Sorry, I didn't there you go. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, still, like, there's a there's a um, we all have uh, things that that kind of take our our primary focus, callings. Mm-hmm. You know, like that um, career. Um, uh, familial sort of callings um, and all of these things that we can really find our primary identity in um, apart from mm-hmm. Jesus himself <clears throat> so how would you encourage folks to find their identity in Jesus like what have been the means of grace or the practices that either then or even now have been most helpful to you in resisting that temptation to find identity and I'm a super successful Mm -hmm. Olympic weightlifter or I'm an accomplished veterinarian or you name it. Yeah. The first thing that comes to mind is that you should not wait until it's taken away from you to divorce yourself from that being your identity. Hmm. Hold it it's kind of a cliche analogy, but hold it with an open hand right away. Uh, the only reason I think I was able to handle a career ending injury the way I did is because God was working in my heart beforehand. He didn't have to like rip it from me. It r- still really hurt, but it didn't shatter my world. Now when you ask about practices, I'm trying to think of any practices I did that were like especially great or anything mm. other than I drove my car and I listened to Christian podcasts. That's kind of what I did yeah. all the time. So that's not, <clears throat> but understanding what our true identity is like really trying to get a, an understanding in a way that you can communicate it to somebody else. Cause you have to end up preaching it to yourself. Mm-hmm. If you can't communicate it to somebody else, what it means to have Jesus as your rock, have your identity as being made in the image of God, as being a blood-bought child of God, you're not going to preach it to yourself at the times when you think you're worthless and everything that gave you meaning is gone and now you're meaningless. So you have to be able to communicate it so you can communicate it to yourself. And that, I mean, that comes through just, I guess, diving into the person of Jesus and you know, who he is. But Yeah, any uh, final words of 
of encouragement to others who uh, who may find themselves in a significant and unexpected setback or a thing that they had really put like kind of all their eggs in the mm-hmm. basket of mm-hmm. like all their eggs just got shattered <laughs> I think what you've said about prepare yourself and don't put all your eggs in yeah. one basket you know it's, that's really good yeah. and really helpful like make sure that all your eggs are in the never failing basket of Jesus like the, the him being that that rock upon which we found it but still like any other encouragements mm-hmm. for just when disappointment hits when when you lose your job <clears throat> yeah. when you bomb the paper when marriage is falling apart or just yeah so I was talking to Sarah about this too um, and she had this the same kind of feeling in that if we really believe God is who he says he is he doesn't need our accomplishments he doesn't need our victories our gold medals our jobs our successes he tells us what he wants he wants us to be faithful and just like when Sarah wrote that letter to me when I was just a new weightlifter, we're to live a life in a manner worthy of the gospel of Christ. Our goal is to become like Jesus. And if we truly believe that, then circumstances should not concern us. It should just help us ask, how is this going to make me more like Jesus? How can I become more like Christ? The most painful part of my injury was after the surgery when the nerve blocks wore off 12 hours before they were supposed to and I had no pain meds in my hands and they had just cut open my wrists. I was writhing on the crouch, like nauseated. I was nauseous because I was in so much pain from the surgery and all this going through my mind is like, Jesus had, I had surgery on my wrist, like right where they pierced through the wrists on the cross. And I was like, Jesus chose this. I mean, he chose this kind of pain. And this was t- and then I got some opioids and I was all better, right? I was much less pain than he ever was. But the, when these horrible circumstances come, if we need to remember that God's goal for us is godliness. It's not immediate short-term happiness. It's long-term happiness in him. It's just so hard to remember that when we're suffering and in pain. Um, so we need to remind ourselves of that before we're in that, that trial. But he uses those trials to build our faith to make us more like Jesus. And so when you're, I guess when you're faced with those trials, remember that God can do amazing things in those, in those things. And his goal is not, his ways are not our ways, his goals are not our goals. And that is really hard to remember. That's why we have to keep all of our desires with an open hand so he can take them and reshape them and give us better desires man that is a uh, that's a good word brother thank you and thank you for for sharing your story god is so good and so faithful and it's so sweet to to see that in such clear ways through how he's been at work in you your know, own life i haven't thought about it in as i've been retired for six years now what's crazy too is i remember the day i my lifting was done and I felt like somebody died. I mean, I went through denial. I was I was angry. I was sad. I was bargaining with God. No, and then I'd be at peace. Okay. And then I'd be like, no, no, this didn't just happen. I did not just bomb out. And it was like, I was up all night. I mean, it was miserable. And I was like, this is, I'm never going to get past this. I haven't thought about it in a couple of years. Hmm. It's only been like six years. I mean, it's just a sport, right? It's not like, it's not like my child died. It's not something that is deeper in your soul but i just man i thought i would never get out of that how am i ever gonna live past bombing out my last competition Hmm. i mean it's been six years and i'm I'm already like oh yeah weightlifting you know (laughs) yeah which is a testament to god's grace because that that's not something to ever be taken for granted like that it's it's not that way for no for many as it's been a lot of athletes. It's been a lot of conscious decisions to not dwell on the past, yeah. to not go and think of the glory days and look back at medals or videos and just fantasize 
I mean, yeah. to live in a, a dream world, it's been like, uh, I'm tempted because I'm tempted to do that. I'm like, that's just going to open up a can of worms. It's yeah. just going to bring pain. And most of all, that's not where God wants me to be. He wants me looking forward, not, yeah. not back at that stuff. Yeah. I just imagine that that's particularly difficult when seasons of life now are less than glamorous and there's not the, you know, like I imagine that that, that would be the time where it would be tempting to, to kind of go back to the, the quote unquote glory days, yeah. you know, and, and, and to sort of fantasize like how it had it have all played out differently and, and whatnot, like where, where would I be now? And, you know, how would life potentially be more glamorous? But yeah, you know, the, the Christian hope is, is that, um, the best is always yet to come. Yeah. Like the best is never behind us for all of the great and good things that God has done in our past. Jesus has not returned yet. And so the most glorious day, the best thing that is ever going to happen in our lives is still ahead of us. It's always ahead of us yeah. until he returns uh, or, or calls us home. Yeah. And I'm so thankful. It's like, because that is what gives me strength to get out of these Myri Pitts is like, well, it was never going to be this anyways. Did I think a gold medal was going to satisfy me? No, I knew it wouldn't. And anyway, I mean, God tells us he calls the losers and the broken and those who aren't strong in the world. It's like the non-weightlifters, the weak weightlifters who bomb out. Those are the ones he calls to shame the Olympic gold medalists. You know, not necessarily that verbatim, but yeah. that's the idea. It's like, oh, God is not ashamed by my f- failure in that way. He does not care. He just wants me to be faithful. And it's good for me to remember because I haven't thought about this this stuff in a while. And it's because now I'm in the drudgery of everyday work life. Right. Less glamorous than being on a platform in front of hundreds of people. And he just wants me to be faithful there too. Right. You've referenced a couple of times the YouTube videos. Um, I've watched at least one of them. I don't know if it was one that you put together or that somebody else did, but uh, I watched it a few years ago um, after uh, first meeting you and hearing about <clears throat> your your career as an Olympic weightlifter. Dude, as I was watching it, it was like as you were doing lifts, like I was. I think I was watching it um, by myself. Like I'd just gotten home. Somebody texted it to me. I was sitting in the driveway. It's this weird situation. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, but it's like before coming in the house and I'm sitting in my car watching you do these lifts and like I'm cheering for you like audibly like pumping my fists. It's, was there a Josh Garrel song playing in the background? Was I can't there remember. Okay, probably. Probably. Yeah. <laughs> but um, uh, where can people find, uh, you know, some of the videos and things? That you, you know, referenced? I would search that video. So that's the amazing thing. That's one of the reasons why I can say I would go through this injury again is because of that video and the fruit God brought from it. Mm. I mean, it's got a ton of views, like way more than any non-injury lifting video would ever get for mine. And the comment section, I mean, I pointed up at the end of my lifts and I would, um, at the end, I thank Jesus who is my life. There were some just horribly hateful comments at the bottom why are you effing thinking Jesus effing God, blah, blah, blah. It wasn't you. Why did God hurt your wrist? All these things that I was able to kind of go on and gently try to give a nice response. And But it was, there was a ton of it, which was really surprising, plus a ton of really good stuff. Yeah. Um, so if, but if you just search Zach Critch on YouTube, I mean, if you just search Zach Critch weightlifting injury, it's a five-minute video. Okay. I mean, that'll be the one with the lots of views. The other ones don't have lots of views. Sure. There's one with me playing a song about horse reproduction that I rewrote, so you don't don't watch that one. I did that for vet school. I rewrote a rewrote a Creedence Clearwater song. Instead of down on the corner, it's called Down Through the Rectum. Oh my gosh. <laughs> on palpating cows, it's either pregnant or not. Yeah, so don't don't watch that one. <laughs> well on that note. <laughs> no, thanks so much. Thanks for listening to this episode of Gospel Stories. Gospel Stories is a production of Cities Church. You can learn more about Cities Church and find all kinds of great resources by visiting cityschurch.com. We'll be back soon with another story of a Cities Church member's experience of God's extraordinary grace. So be sure to subscribe to our podcast so that the next episode automatically shows up in your feed. If you were encouraged by this episode, 
please leave us a review, or better yet, give it a share so that more people can hear about the work of Jesus in the life of his people. A very special thanks to Sarah Groves for our theme music. If you haven't listened to Sarah Groves' music, definitely check her out. And finally, if you have a story that you'd like to share, please head on over to cityschurch.com stories to find our submission form. Thanks so much for tuning in. You'll hear from us again soon. Just